podcast. This is Louis from Tender Rebellions, and you are listening to Rebel to Draw, a weekly podcast about the intersections of art and activism. Today, my guest is Owen Davy. You might know his work through his books about animals, which sounds a bit mundane when I say it like this, but it really isn't. He's doing a great job at educating children and adults about different animal species and why our environment needs them. Owen and I met briefly two years ago at HiFest, Hastings Illustration Festival. Um, we recently reconnected through Instagram, and so far the only thing we ever disagreed on was the question whether Snape from Harry Potter was a good or bad guy. Owen, thank you so much for being here. I hope um, I introduce you properly. Yeah, no, that was good. I I, um, I disagree that, uh, uh, <laughs> that animals are not an interesting subject in themselves, but we, we've discussed that before <laughs> already. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, we talked about that um, last time we, we chatted, like people being very nerdy about the stuff they're into. And I I mean, I'm I'm fascinated by your fascination with animals. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just find them, I don't know, I find them immensely interesting and they're so diverse and bizarre. And if you look at the amount of superheroes that are named after animals, like you can see the kind of human fascination by animals and their kind of amazing abilities, just things that we can't kind of comprehend. So that's always kind of draws me back into that. I'd also like to note as well that since um, <clears throat> since our discussion, uh, having re-listened to the Harry Potter books again about three times, I think, since we last chatted, possibly more, I totally see where you're coming from with Snape. I, I would say he's not 100% evil, but he's not a great guy. Uh, no, he's truly not. Yeah, like there's a lot of uh, darkness, darkness there, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, but um, talking about animals and that you work mostly like your work mostly resolves around animals, I, I sort of have to raise a question. I would wonder if I were a listener mm -hmm. to this show, um, because this podcast is about addressing politics or social issues through illustration. And biodiversity is by all means a political issue. Nonetheless, you're not very publicly outspoken about your political opinions, for example, online or on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So as a listener, I would now wonder, um, what is he doing on this platform? Does he really have anything to contribute to the conversation? And I know that you take um, reflecting on toxic masculinity and being a feminist father very serious, but I have to ask, and I don't mean it aggressive in any way, yeah. but How do you see sort of your role or responsibility as a white man in the illustration community? I guess for me, it's um, I'm not I'm not particularly like controversial, uh, not controversial. I'm not very um, confrontational individual. I guess I kind of try to like lead by example or like try to just encourage certain things within my own work or my own kind of uh, way of doing things. So for me like it's just about how I present things within my work rather than necessarily like specifically saying kind of a political opinion I will just try and display that visually within my work instead if that makes sense so like I try to make sure that I cover various um just everywhere I try and kind of have a lot of representation within my work and try and make sure that kind of whoever can see an element of themselves uh, within the characters that I draw or something uh, try to make sure that I'm you know representing women doing jobs that are traditionally seen as uh, male jobs and uh, men doing things that are traditionally seen as female jobs all that kind of stuff and just trying to challenge things with that 
Uh, and then obviously race is a thing, making sure that I'm not just drawing white guys all the time because you know, that, that is my own experience. You know, I am a, uh, yeah, I am that cliche of getting close to a middle-aged white man who is, uh, you know, straight and just, I've got, I've got all the easy stuff. I have all the privileges and I'm kind of very aware of that. And I try and kind of address other people's kind of experiences within my work if I can as well. Um, I probably don't always succeed, but it's always kind of a constant thing where you try and do what you can and evaluate and see whether, oh, maybe I need to do that differently next time or whatever. You know, no one's ever perfect all the time, uh, but I think it's important to be self-aware and kind of check yourself occasionally and let other people check you as well. You know, that's what the internet's quite good for. True. Do you do you get a lot of um, a lot of feedback from people who don't have the same privileges as you do? Yeah, definitely. I, it's something that's, um, I really appreciate it actually in Instagram is, because uh, Instagram's the thing that I've got, kind of got the most followers in. It's, it's the thing that I put the most effort into. I, I sort of started off on Twitter and never really got into the um, the format of it, but Instagram, because it's so visual, just works perfectly for yeah. kind of showcasing my work. And so that seems to have kind of got my most fo followers on it. And there's things where like I've posted something and just been slightly ignorant of something and someone has pointed it out to me and I've been able to adjust it. So, for example, like I uh, did some work for, I think it was Google? No, it was Facebook. A couple of years back for uh, Dia de Muertos, um, which is Day of the Dead in um, English. Uh, and it's... Uh, and it was specifically built for uh, people in Mexico and South America who celebrate this kind of festival. And... I put a lot of work into the research of the visuals and all that kind of stuff. And we uh, worked with people who celebrated it and made sure that the image was great. And we posted that and it was all great. Um, probably is when I posted it on my uh, Instagram, I did some research into how to kind of post it and wrote down uh, Dia de los Muertos, which is what is written everywhere over the internet. Yeah. But Dia de los Muertos is like a sort of English bastardization of day of so it's like day of dead is what it should be it's dia de muertos but the kind of americanization of it is dia de los muertos and it can offend people so there's a few people who are from mexico um said don't you know don't get this wrong make sure it's dia de muertos like this is this is our culture don't ruin it and i was like i'm really sorry i don't speak spanish i did a terrible translation i apologize um and i, I corrected it and they thanked me for it so You know, there's you live and learn. I now know that that's what I shouldn't do, but it, there wasn't really an easy way for me to tell that. The internet, unfortunately, has lots of great information and also lots of incorrect information. Um, so yeah, I managed to correct that. And there's there's stuff like when I posted something on Aztec culture recently, where the client had given me the, all the research. I hadn't done the research myself, um, but they had included a non-Aztec. Uh, structure which I, I drew and then someone pointed out that's not right so I took contact to the client and said look will you pay me to make this change and they did uh, so we've changed it and fixed the issue so yeah it's great that it's got that kind of back and forth I think it's important for people to keep in mind that people usually aren't trying to offend uh, I think it's important to kind of educate someone when they know there's something wrong but uh, not be necessarily too aggressive about it because you know everyone's trying to learn <laughs> do you know what I mean like I don't think most people are trying to cause offense I know what you mean but at the same time um, there's a thing called tone policing when you mm -hmm. tell oppressed groups um, that they have to be educational about their oppression and that they have to come back to you and be very nice about it and that that's also a kind 
yeah, it's also a form of oppression to tell the oppressed group, oh, by the way, I want you to educate me and be very, very gentle and kind. I get both sides because I also get your point of view of, hey, I, I just didn't know any better. I did my research and this is this happened and mistakes happen. Did anybody ever call you out for doing the job in the first place? Because my first feeling was, um, why didn't Google or Facebook or whatever not ask a Mexican illustrator? Yeah, I did, I did question that myself as well. Like the, um, it, I think the, the difficulty within any of the, the industry is that it, it's a collaborative thing. So I think as long as there are people who are part of the team that understand the culture and who kind of inform you on about it and, and make sure that it goes the right way, then I think it's fine. Like I, I am very aware of uh, cultural appropriation and I, I, I have said no to jobs before where I felt like it wasn't my place to kind of get involved with it. But then equally like there's, I don't know, I think it's important for for various people to have various, you know, I wouldn't expect someone of um, Mexican culture to only do stuff that's Mexican related. And uh, I kind of think it's important for collaboration to expand across various kind of things. But again, I'm a white middle-class man. So <laughs> um, yeah. One time I read somewhere and that's when it, when it kind of clicked for me that, for example, you wouldn't expect an actor in a wheelchair to only want roles that are written for people in wheelchairs, but they kind of only do get roles for um parts that are about being in a wheelchair. So when actors who are not in a wheelchair take these roles, they take away from a very limited space that exists for people with disabilities. So do you, do you know what is what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean, actually. And I, I think I think the important issue there really is, well, there's a few, there's several important issues there, but I think one of them is, is that uh, in the first place, people who are, you know, who need a wheelchair shouldn't necessarily just be getting roles for people who are in a wheelchair. Like, True. There are a lot of stories that are, it's not dependent on how someone gets around. It's, you know, it's an entirely uh, irrelevant point. So you could quite easily just write in that, you know, they need a wheelchair to get around, but everything else stays exactly the same. Do you know what I mean? But then I would imagine with anything where someone is kind of a minority group or an oppressed group or whatever, there are certain experiences that can come with that, that probably do affect the way other people treat them or the way, yeah, the way they experience life that can kind of affect how something is written as well. So, yeah, I, I, know, I know exactly what you mean, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the thing is, um, of course, there could be more roles for people in wheelchairs, but there aren't. So the question is basically, do people or actors in that case who are not in a wheelchair have a certain responsibility not to take away that roles? And if we're circling back to illustration, people from Mexico have a different exposure and have a different audience because racism is in the algorithm and like we, we are all influenced by racism. So um, probably art directors maybe don't even know as many illustrators from Mexico as they do white middle-aged men. So the question is, do white middle-aged men in the industry have sort of a responsibility to point art directors into that direction? Yeah, I know what you mean. Potentially, yeah. Uh, I, I, it's a very, I don't know, it's a really grey area because yeah. um, uh, I, I did a bit of research. So when they first asked me about it, I did a bit of research about just trying to looking at some opinions online and uh, articles that people have written about how they felt about other people engaging in their culture. And as with everything, loads of people had loads of different opinions. There were some people that were like, no, I want to keep this. 
hundred percent, you know, Mexican. I want only Mexican people to do this or, or South American people that also celebrate uh, Dia de Muertos. Um, but then there were other people that were saying, no, I think it's great that other people kind of understand our culture and um, and explore it and, and kind of can take this stuff on board. And I think the important thing with doing any work really uh, is if you're doing something that involves another culture or or anything that's not your kind of personal kind of experiences that you need to kind of research something and and understand it and do it with respect and so like you know there was a lot of research that went into the way I did it um maybe some people will question that I did it in the first place but um I I, I didn't feel bad doing it uh <laughs> and I didn't mean to, to tell you that you should <laughs> no no I know I know I, th- I think it's important to question these things yeah. like I, I, I don't think it is a clear cut answer I think I mean, I, uh, within all of my animal books, I, I look at um, mythology and, and conservation stuff within within those books, and, and within the mythology section, I'm often illustrating stuff that is not my not my culture, and you know, not something that I've kind of grown up with. But I do a bit of research into it, and usually, I'm doing my own interpretation of someone else's stuff. I think that I'm not trying to appropriate it; I'm trying to inform, and it's kind of. I don't know. I feel like there's an element of that that's kind of important as well in that, you know, you have to, it can't just come from one group either. Like you, you kind of, uh, in order to inform, I think you need various people who, um, who talk about these issues. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, I, cause it, otherwise it ends up just becoming this kind of minor, uh, you know, a minority issue or whatever, or, and sometimes it helps if, if other people actually, get involved and try and kind of boost the profile of it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, definitely. I'm always, always happy when men start to talk about feminism because, well, they should be involved. Um, yeah. Like whenever I talk to other male illustrators about feminism, I get a lot of indifference as a response. Oh, really? Just a few exceptions. I I didn't yet get any um, anti-feminist or sexist answers, which should be normal, but it is a very good and happy place for me to be in. But I don't know, is your experience any different? Do you talk to other illustrators about feminism? Not specifically. I mean, I don't really know that many illustrators that well. Uh, the, the illustrators that I do know quite well are usually friends that have become illustrators, in which case we will have probably discussed feminism at some point and we're probably friends because of the fact we're... For both feminists, we both believe in equality throughout people. So, yeah, it's not usually a subject that comes up with with other illustrators when I meet them, just because I don't usually have that long to chat to them anyway. Usually, we end up talking about work for hours. Uh, You were an exception. (laughs) I think within about five minutes, we were talking about Harry Potter and feminism, and we continued speaking for about four hours or something. Yeah, yeah, I usually push conversations into that direction. I was I was more than happy to chat about it. It was great. It's yeah, it's great. It's it's not something that that comes up regularly though. The reason I'm asking you um, whether you talk to to other male illustrators about feminism is that I'm I'm always wondering how to get more people involved. So, like how how did you understand? Oh, this isn't working. There there's something wrong in the system. Um, can you sort of? identify what got you to a, to an understanding of toxic masculinity and like what do people who hold the same privileges as you do need to come to the same understanding well i think um well there's several there's several questions to unpack there uh yeah sorry. so i think I, no, no, it's fine there's huge <laughs> topics as well so yeah it um, is. but yeah i mean like so let's start with toxic masculinity because that's probably the first thing i've kind of spotted 
kind of because I've I've been aware of that for for years in my life without knowing really what it is. But I've never really understood that kind of concept of you know men should never show emotions. Men should always be aggressive. And uh, I mean, I, th- I think we I was chatting to you about this last time when I was saying I hate the fact that in whatever uh, loads of shows, uh, specifically American shows as well. The sort of moral thing to do is for a man to defend his woman by punching someone, which is so many things wrong with that. Um, But I I hate the idea of that kind of, uh, you know, aggressive approach and that, um, you know, violence is the answer and and all that kind of stuff. And like I've I've always been, you know, like a lot of my best friends have have always been kind of female and um, I've never really seen much of a difference in terms of how my friendships are. I hate the fact that, in every storyline as well, that if a man and a woman are friends, that at some point they're going to get sexual. It's like, no, (laughs) it's just, that drives me insane. Because, you know, there's, you can have a completely platonic relationship with someone of the sex that you find attractive. Like you can even think they're an attractive person, but it doesn't go that way. So all that, you know, all that kind of stuff always drives me slightly insane. Uh, the other questions I can't remind me again sorry my brain isn't um, good enough to hold all point. that stuff <laughs> I first have a point about the, the movies because I recently had to think of you um, I saw Captain Marvel for the first time do mm-hmm. you know it? yes and there's this there's this scene in Captain Marvel where she is like Captain Marvel is this female superhero kind of the female version of Captain America if you want to be a bit mean <laughs> I mean, she, she is so much greater than Captain America. Anyways, there's the scene where um, she encounters the alien she thinks is the villain and the alien says, no, stop, stop. I'm not, I'm not the bad guy here. And she actually stops. And then they talk yeah, and she yeah. figures out that he's not actually the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had to think of you and I was like, oh yeah, that's what you meant. The, a man yeah. just punched him. <laughs> well, like, well, that's that's what a man's encouraged to do. But it, yeah. I mean, it depends on the man, obviously. But I mean, the, the the men that I surround myself are not that way inclined at all. There's a couple of mates that when they've got a few drinks and them, and them can get a little bit aggressive, in which case we remove them from the situation. Um, but there's this weird kind of testosterone-fueled lifestyle, which is just bizarre and ridiculous. Um, and yeah, I, I've, I've always been more... This, this is what I'm saying again. I'm not really a confrontational kind of person. I tend to try and kind of talk things out and... Yeah, my, my question was, how do we get other men to that point? Because you say it's just like the way you are. You're not very confrontational. But I guess a lot of men think of themselves as confrontational, but they wouldn't necessarily have to be. And how yeah. how do we bring them to that understanding of, oh, maybe this is just what I learned on how I should be? I think it's about checking uh, people that you know. So like... Like I say, like if there's if uh, if mates start to kind of go to anger, then it's like, dude, what are you what are you doing? Like, why 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 are you doing that? And if they don't calm down, then removing them from the situation until they calm down. You know, it's it. I I mean, to be fair, I have none of my mates really do that uh, anymore. I think it was kind of when they couldn't handle their drink particularly, and now that I'm a dad of two, I barely go out anymore. Obviously, right now I'm not going out at all. So I think it's about kind of when you see someone acting that way, you kind of have to pull them up on it. So yeah, I, you know, mates of mine and and me have always kind of pulled up other people when they've started kind of using derogatory terms or whatever as well. Like, you know, if someone uses a bit of casual racism, it's like, no, no, (laughs) it's not, you know, this is not cool. You can't, you can't use that. Um, that's just not right. And the same with, you know, derogatory terms for women or whatever. It's, it's just not, 
Cool. I mean, I, I don't t- tend to up, end up in a sort of uh, shouting match with them. Perhaps I should. It's just it's not really in my nature. It's usually just no. I should don't do that. Uh, I'm not happy with that. Like explaining why I don't like it and things like that. Do but, they yeah. usually come around? I think people. Yeah, I think people respond in a way that you're. I mean, it depends on the person. Uh, there are some people that are, <laughs> feel so far gone. It's like, why am I even trying? Um, but they're, they're not my friends. You know, they're, they're randomers that uh, you just move away from, I think, in the end, because it's like no one's going to change anyone's mind here. But with friends and stuff, you know, I think if you speak to someone calmly and, and explain something, then they'll respond that way. I think often if you start off in a kind of aggressive manner, then people can get really defensive and, and start to kind of, uh, you know, get their heckles up you know and start to um fight back and i i I don't know i feel like it's important to kind of it's like with kids if you i don't want to always bring it back to kids but if if you start like (laughs) shouting because they're shouting then it's not going to calm them down you need to kind of speak to them in a calm voice until they eventually like equal you know find an equilibrium again but um Parenting yeah. strategies for toxic masculinity. <laughs> Loving it. But, but, but that's oh. what it is, though, really, isn't it? Like, it, it's just people going to base instincts without using their minds. And, and that's something that kids do. They don't understand their emotions. They don't understand how to process it. And so they get angry and they start shouting and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's essentially what happens with a lot of guys in that they've been told to suppress their emotions. So they just get angry because they don't know how to deal with them you know what I mean like it's uh, I I know what you mean um I also think that the both of us are in very different positions on how to respond to it because when Mm -hmm. when I'm in a situation like this I am part of the target when someone says something um against gay people or something sexist then for me it's hard not to get angry because I know that that they mean me as well so being very calm and uh, explaining hey, that's maybe not so cool, is is difficult for me. Also, when I do it, a lot of the time, the men then say, oh, now you get so emotional, don't get so worked up about it. Of course, I don't mean you personally. Don't be offended so easily. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that would drive me insane, and I would end up <laughs> shouting back at them. Like, <laughs> I, when I say, like, I don't think you should be driven to anger, don't, don't get me wrong, I do get driven to anger. It's, uh, you know, I think it's just... I think trying to stay calm can be important. But then, like I say, I'm, I, and like you say, I'm coming from an angle of being a very privileged individual. So I'm rarely the target. I don't think I've, you know, I've only ever been bullied in my life for being chubby, which, you know, it's partly my own choice in life. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, I don't, I, you know, I don't have that experience. Um, but all I, all I can really give to the discussion is is my own way of dealing with it and my own kind of um experiences with it but you know i trying to listen to what other people say about it and try and take it on board and try and educate myself on things like i say i'm not always going to get it right but i try uh and i'm more than happy for people to pull me up on it yeah i think for me it's sometimes hard not to bring that anger into the illustration community because the thing you're doing of of trying to to include representation in your work i don't see with a lot of artists especially not with a lot of white straight male artists mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah i don't know i'm i'm sometimes torn because on one side the illustration community is so lovely and i haven't yet met an illustrator who is somehow competitive or judgmental or mean but at the same time I don't know, not living to my, not living up to my political standards kind of. 
yeah, makes me a bit anxious of like, hey, I, I want to call you out for it, but I also don't want to destroy the lovely, nice atmosphere we've got going here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, uh, I get shocked occasionally. Like there was um, a study I read about how there's, uh, you know, quite a, still a, a similar wage gap between men and women in freelance illustration than there is in all the other sectors, which surprised me and infuriated me. And I can't comprehend it. And then also there was, there's this uh, initiative that I've become part of which is uh called pathways and it's it's all about trying to encourage um ethnic diversity within children's publishing because they did like a study and it's it's something awful like 95 percent of kids books don't have anyone that's not white in it yeah i also read a similar study that there are more there's more animal diversity in kids books than there is diversity for humans yeah yeah which is mad i mean yeah, I, th- I think it's awful. So there's, but there's, there are these initiatives where they're trying to encourage people from, you know, different backgrounds that might be able to come into the industry. So they're getting tuition and stuff from various um, angles so that then they can become kind of creators in the industry and, and hopefully gain some of the notoriety of all the other people within it. But it's, it's sad that initiatives like that have to kind of exist. Yeah. But it's amazing you're doing it. Yeah, it's really cool. I was really excited. Like that, I didn't seek them out, they sought me out. When I learned what it was about, I was like, yes, this is awesome. This is really good. Um, and I'm really excited to do it as well. Like, I, So it's, uh, I think to start off with, I'm, I'm just doing a two-day course with uh, the mentees, which is what they're described as. They're not students, they're mentees. And so theoretically, I'm the mentor in this. Um, but yeah, two-day course about uh, children's nonfiction uh, illustration, which will be up in Birmingham. But I mean, it's delayed at the moment, but it, I, I think it's supposed to happen. And I'm really looking forward to kind of, yeah, working with students over a, over a good amount of time and, and seeing kind of, yeah, whether they've got anything kind of different to say based on their experiences or whether it's exactly the same as me. It, I mean, it, it doesn't really matter too much. It's just as long as you've got the voices of people that are heard less, then I think it's important. So I think that's that's also what I'm often looking for or missing in, in the illustration community, like uplifting each other. I see it a lot of lot from from artists who are from marginalized groups mm-hmm. like giving each other a shout out um pointing art directors into into the direction of other amazing people sharing the work on instagram and i don't see it so much with white straight male illustrators like i i feel like they're constantly trying to just further their own own career which is completely okay i mean still like i know that you put you also put in a lot of hard work to, to get where you are, but still like your unfair advantage is, is also there. So I'm always kind of hoping for people to, to uplift others as well. But I don't see how, like I'm, I'm lacking strategies on how to encourage white straight men to do the same. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm probably, there's, there's probably that element of self-absorption within a lot of it in that it's not my immediate thought when something comes in of like, oh, who can I? give this to uh, it's usually like oh would this be fun so i'm probably guilty of being <laughs> one of those lazy white men that just kind of does the work but yeah so i don't i don't know uh I, yeah I, I don't have an answer to that either unfortunately <laughs> um, how dare you i expected you to say yeah. sexism <laughs> <laughs> i'd love to be able to but uh i am 
a fallible individual, as I'm acutely aware. But <laughs> yeah, I, d- I, I don't know. I mean, I suppose so, some of the onus kind of falls on um, the commissioners as well. Like, I know that there's... It's really interesting, actually. Like a lot of the t- a lot of the people I work with, I think I probably work with more women than I do men. Uh, but I was reading into it the other day, and it seems like there's a, more women in the creative industry, but th- that more of the men are in the higher roles. Yeah. Which, again, drives me insane. I don't really understand. Uh, but I, I guess there's going to be an element of that within it as well. In that, you know, the commissioning person, I don't know, might might kind of have some bias based within them that, that means that they end up choosing kind of white males again. So I don't know. Um, also, of course, I'm, I get it. Of course, the art director um, maybe chooses people he personally knows or some friends of his friends or whatever. And because of the, the thing we discussed earlier, like friendships aren't very encouraged for, for men to have with um, the sex they are attracted to. So of course, they they probably know a lot of men way better than they do women or queer people but how do we change it i don't know i mean so this this is where i think representation is important i think that i mean maybe i'm misguided but uh, you know you hear stories <laughs> about um sports people that that see say a black tennis player and think uh, and you know and they're black themselves and think oh Maybe I could be a black tennis, you know, maybe that could be me. Like they're so used to seeing uh, white tennis players that they think, oh, maybe I could I could emulate that. And swimmers, for example, you don't get a lot of black swimmers. But then is that potentially because you don't get a lot of black swimmers? Like, could it be a self-perpetuating thing? It where, is, definitely. Exactly. So I think representation within my work where I'm showing various kind of uh, ethnicities or genders or whatever and trying to, you know, mix up that stuff without it seeming kind of contrived. I don't know, I feel like that that's kind of where my role kind of sits within it. But um, I don't know, maybe that isn't enough. I don't know. But I, I, it's something that I think, I think it helps. It, it definitely does. And the question whether it's it's enough or not, I honestly don't know. I'm yeah. constantly wondering myself, like, am I as a white person doing enough against racism? Probably yeah. not. <laughs> it's probably the answer to all the things for me. Yeah, probably not. Uh, <laughs> But it, uh, this is the thing, like you can't, you can't, it's never going to be like on the forefront of your mind all the time. I think it's important to try and check yourself occasionally, but yeah, you can't be too hard on yourself all the time as well. Like it, it's got to be a, a balance with everything, hasn't it? So there's there's some things in the past that I probably should have done differently. And I'd like to think I've learned from it and, and would do a better job now and things like that. But yeah, that's all you can kind of do, I guess, try and improve yourself, self-improvement. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's I'm. I'm also learning so much still. And when I now look back on my first book, I'm like, oh gosh, there's so many <laughs> things I want to change. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It's also slightly terrifying because I don't know, especially in in the world of social media and and feminist social media, especially people are very unforgiving about mistakes. Yeah. There's this this whole thing called cancel culture that when somebody made one one mistake regarding a feminist topic that they are sort of cancelled and you can never trust them again with feminist oh, wow. issues. And I'm I'm kind of wondering right now if if that would affect you in the same way as it does me because I feel like we give a lot of slack to men who try because we are so grateful that men like you exist. <laughs> And we're like, oh yeah, of course you can do all the mistakes you want because it's so so helpful of you to to strive for for better representation. Whereas when I do a mistake, people are very angry and are like, 
you are this feminist and you sit on stages and talk about gender and feminism. How dare you to let us down? That's really sad. So there's also that that sort of um, bias within feminist activist circles as well. At the same time, I, I'm guilty of it as well. I was so I was so angry f at some of my feminist idols in the past for making mistakes. But I think all you can do really is start a dialogue with them, right? And just sort of say like, you know, why have why have you said this or why have you done this? And I, I get that it can make you angry. And, and like I say, it's not something that I, I can really understand fully, but uh, I understand that it can lead you to anger with stuff. But I, I, this is why I think discussion is an important element to, to any kind of contradiction of ideas or anything that's not, you know, that's not black and white. I think it's important to be like, but why? Like, or what's this? Or have you thought about this? Or whatever. It seems really sad that you're held up. Like, everyone's <laughs> fallible. That's what humanity is. Like, we're not perfect beings. And so we're all going to slip up occasionally. I've been presented with kind of my own biases that I hadn't even realized I had. And, you know, uh, through kind of chatting to people, I'm like, oh, wait, that's awful. Uh, <laughs> that kind of, the patriarchy has actually wormed its way into me without me realizing. And, you know, I need to sort that out. But, you know, you have to kind of move on from it and try and not do that again. But, I think writing someone off because they've made a mistake is, you know, it's, I, don't, I don't think that's the right way to go about it. I get what you mean with, with the discussion. I guess that's kind of what I'm trying to do with this whole podcast to get a lot of different people talking about the same issue and coming together and trying to, moving, to move the, the conversation forward on how to get better representation in illustration and how to fight sexism in the industry yeah and i, I like the fact that it, i like the fact it's a discussion <laughs> that you're doing as well like you're not trying to provide all the answers and stuff i don't have all the answers no i don't think anyone does <laughs> but because uh, it's such a complex subject that it's not going to be a clear-cut answer but you know discussing it i think is a step forward yeah definitely i mean did you listen to the um laura marling uh podcast where she was talking to various women from um do you know laura marling by the way uh, I, I don't think so but I'm not good with names. Oh, she's she's a musician. She's um, yeah, an English musician who whose work I really love. But yeah, she uh, was speaking to various musical creatives and uh, engineers and, and various kind of stuff. All women in the industry and and what their experiences are with being in a very male dominated industry. And that was a really fascinating one because she went in without kind of necessarily you know specific specifically knowing what was going to come out of the questions and and some of the things that she thought were going to be more biased were actually less so and uh, i don't know it was it was an interesting kind of listen but yeah she chatted to some really interesting yeah like big names and stuff as well and then people that were behind the scenes it's just i mean more than anything else as well it was really interesting to hear kind of how their kind of how their jobs work as well but it was yeah it was great to kind of have that feminist perspective within it. I guess feminist, like for me personally, I know that feminist perspectives influence a lot of the, the a lot of my work, a lot of the things I'm doing, um, how I feel, how I express myself as well. And I, I guess we already discussed uh, the whole representation thing, but other than that, do you feel like feminism or becoming more aware of feminist issues has influenced your work as an illustrator? I was, uh, yeah, I, I'm not really sure. I think it's hard to know what, what influences you and what yeah, doesn't. True. I mean, as a creative, I think I'm just a sponge for everything. And there's certain things come out in ways that I don't expect. I don't think directly, but I, I don't really know. I mean, like, I think I've been a feminist all my life without realising what it was until a few years ago. Because, you know, I just... I don't see why there should be any inequality whatsoever between anyone. And I, I've always kind of felt that way and I've never felt like, yeah, 
I've never never been able to understand any other viewpoint. Um, A friend of mine recently described me as a a friendly sociopath. So like I don't, I really struggle with understanding other people's uh, points of view sometimes. Like, but but he said, I'm quite good because I try as hard as I can to understand it without understanding it. I don't know if that makes sense, but um, I can't ever, I can understand that someone may react a certain way without understanding why they would. And for me, I can't comprehend why someone would think that one individual is worth more than another. Like I, I just can't work out why someone would think that. It's, yeah, it's my own kind of <laughs> mental failing, but it's just. Um, so I, yeah, yeah, I can I can feel your brain working here. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. It just messes with my brain. I, I can't. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like I can't. There's no like logic behind it. Like there's no. There's no anything. It's that whole kind of idea of white supremacy. Like why the hell would having white skin make you better than someone with darker skin? Like what the hell? Oh, you should. You should read um, why I'm no longer talking to white people about race. Yes, I, I was recommended that recently. I haven't. I haven't had a chance to read in ages. Yeah, go ahead and read it because. Um, the author is doing a really great job at explaining where that idea comes from. To all German people listening, I can also recommend Exit Racism. I'm not sure that there is an English translation, but it's also really good. And Eloquent Rage is also a great book about racism and the intersections of racism and sexism, which was really interesting. It's a more US-focused is it in English then, yeah? Yeah, that, that one is in English. I will link all, all the books uh, in the show notes to this episode. Cool. You always come up with great recommendations for me to read. I just, I need to find more time to read them. Cool. I guess we have we have raised way more questions than we answered, but that's okay. As is the best discussions do. You know? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> um, yeah. To end this, I'm asking every guest um, the same question at the end of each episode because... That's the question that would have really interested me three years ago. And yeah, could you could you say sort of what's your advice to your younger self? Like, what do you need someone who is just starting out to know about illustration and specifically how to use illustration for educational purposes? I guess the research element is something that kind of I discovered over the years and I've got better at that and sort of uh, filtering through all the rubbish and stuff I still have some slip-ups and things but I think I used to be a lot more naive to to everything I guess um <laughs> like, uh, and and not really aware of the issues surrounding kind of my privilege and and all that kind of stuff so I, I think it would be be great if my younger self kind of understood some of that stuff so that I could have implemented it earlier I think it didn't take that long for me to start kind of picking up on it but I suppose within it with anything like you just want to expand on the knowledge you already have. So if I'd have started off with my knowledge of that, you know, 11 years ago when I started out, then now I might actually have read these books or um, properly be able to come up with some ideas of uh, how we might be able to adjust the current systems. I feel like I'm just waffling now. No, it's, a, it's all right. It's a really good advice. I can I can get behind that. Yeah, I guess that's that's a really good good point to end this episode. So thank you again for being my guest on this episode. Thank you very much for having me. Really my pleasure because um, knowing that there are men out there who are willing to have these conversations makes me a bit more hopeful and happy. So um, <laughs> yeah, to everyone listening, um, I hope you got inspired and maybe talk to the men in your life about feminism. 
You can find Owen with at Owen Davy Draws on Instagram. I will link his profile in the show notes as usual. The next episode will be online next Tuesday. Make sure to follow Rebels Who Draw on Instagram to find out who the next guest is and chat with me about toxic masculinity. Again, thank you so much for listening and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.